I was thinking the other day that food prices are up something like 20% in two years. And that's why I always look at not just one year's inflation. I go, go back because I make that distinction. Inflation's one thing. People care a lot more about their cost of living. You know, all they know is that they're paying a lot more. You know, what, Canadian families, the estimate or something like, you know, we're, we're in the neighborhood of $150 more per month for food. Well, no wonder people are concerned. And that's why I'm so pleased. We've had the help over the years of Sylvain Charlebois, Dalhousie Agri-Food, Agri-Food. I'm trying to say analytics. There we go, Sylvain. Great stuff. Agri-Food Analytics Lab. Yes. But you're the guys who put out uh, terrific reports for a number of years on the the state of the food industry, the state of the grocery industry, that kind of stuff. It's just become more in the spotlight. And I know you've had an extremely busy week. I mean, you've been in Ottawa, you know, meeting with the uh, head of the major grocery chains, meeting with the government, et cetera. Can we start by you just giving me a quick take on what that was about? What was like? It started this summer. Uh, actually, I think it was at the end of July. I, I get a phone call out of the blue and it was Minister Champagne uh, himself. And uh, so he was asking me for some advice. Um we were hearing rumblings uh, coming out of France. Uh, the minister of, of the economy there, Mr. Lemaire, mm-hmm. was meeting with uh, people in the food industry. And they actually agreed to freeze prices for 5,000 food products uh, in France. And he was asking me whether or not it would be a good idea in Canada. And, and I paused and I said, I don't think so. I, I don't think it's a good idea for Canada. And I kind of explained to him why. And But he was you could feel that he was really uh, inspired by what was going on in France. And, uh, and of course, Carrefour came forward with a policy about shrinkflation, labeling shrinkflated products. I think that was uh, probably it started, I think, early September. So he really felt that these things were all good ideas for Canada. And I kind of tried to convince him that those aren't necessarily things that we can do or should do in Canada. And so we talked again, I think it was a couple of weeks later, and then again. And then finally, two weeks ago, uh, before uh, London, before the meeting, the caucus meeting of the Liberals in London, he calls me, uh, it was on a Friday, and he said to me, well, if you were me, by next Thursday, what would you do? We need to do something. Mm-hmm. I'm asked to do something to help Canadians. And, and that's when I said, basically, let's just call a meeting with the grocers. Uh, and, and that's, that's what happened on Monday. And, uh, and frankly, when I met with, um, so I, I arrived on, on Monday in Ottawa and I was, uh, I was, I had the opportunity to brief Mr. Champagne and his team, there were about 15 people in the room about what I was going to say and things that he may actually anticipate for the meeting. It was at 11 o'clock, so we were meeting at 9, 9.30 in the morning. And they escorted me in and allowed me to avoid the zoo. I mean, there was media everywhere, yeah. like everywhere. So I didn't actually go through the funnel. Uh, the COs did, but not me. And so I went in on the back from the back door, met with the group, and I, the, my first question to the minister was, how, who canceled? Thinking that not everyone would show up. Everyone showed up, Michael. Mm-hmm. Everyone showed up. I was really impressed. So it really, so that's, that's when I knew that grocers knew exactly what they needed to do. Uh, they understood 
that this was all about politics, it had nothing to do with the economics of, of food retailing at all. So I, I was really uh, pleased about that. And then we basically uh, walked over to the meeting room. Uh, CEOs were waiting for us. So I walked in with uh, Mr. Lamontagne and, and uh, Deputy Prime Minister Freeland, who offered a few words, uh, gave a few words before the beginning of the meeting, just basically to tell the big five, this is, this is how serious it is. It's a whole of government approach. This is about you know, affordability and all that stuff. And then uh, she left and then I was asked to brief the group. That, that's, and, and, and the meeting lasted for a little, little over an hour and 30 minutes. Well, I, I'm not putting words in your mouth at all, and I want to make clear the audience listening, but my goodness, they just noticed, really, they just noticed 10% inflation for, you know, double-digit inflation for I don't know how many months it is now, and they've just noticed. And I might add, Dalhousie is going to be right. Your group is going to be correct. It looks like you said to us a while ago when it was around 9 10%, you said, don't worry, it, well, at least it'll get down to under 7 you know, yep. by the end of the year, and that's going to be and we're correct. Still, we're still thinking that's that's going to be yeah. the case. Uh, in but, fact, actually, when I was on, in the group on Monday, I said uh, it was it was it was the Monday before StatsCan's numbers on the Tuesday, mm. and I told them tomorrow expect food inflation to drop and expect the gap between inflation and food inflation to drop even further down, yeah. and it's down dramatically to two point eight percent. And again, the problem, though, is that that's the rate of growth in prices, you know, and so I say over the two years and three years, you know, people are really feeling it there. Uh, I find it, and again, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but I'll ask you to elaborate a little bit on this, is thinking that actually price freezing is going to work when we have no historical examples. That's the most short-term thinking we can get on a problem that their own government through the Competition Bureau has examined. You know, we had a report in June I just think, I just think, my goodness, do they know nothing? But tell the audience here, what's the problem when you approach it in that short-term way that we're going to freeze prices? It's it's a it's a dangerous thing to do, uh, and, and a government would do that if they if it believes that uh, there's some profiteering going on. And mm. uh, to your point, Michael, uh, the uh, Competition Bureau did look into profiteering. They couldn't find any evidence. Yeah. The Bank of Canada did the same thing. No evidence. The Parliamentary Committee and uh, and Cody Blois was actually in the room uh, with with us uh, during the briefing. He's the chair of the Ag Committee. The Ag Committee didn't see any evidence either. We didn't find any evidence either as 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 a lab. And so if you actually believe that profiteering is going on, you will want to freeze prices. You will want to tax companies. but as you do all these things, you play around with market conditions and you end up basically making things worse for everyone, for both industry, for consumers. You discourage investments. And, uh, and frankly, as soon as you deal with, it, with an interventionist government, you get into trouble so quickly. And so that's like, like I said, France has options. It's in the middle of Europe. We do not. We're prisoners of our own geography. We're just north of the U.S. That's all we got. And so if we start playing around the economy, guess what's going to happen? Companies are going to leave and prices are going to go up. 
Well, the whole simplistic narrative that says it's the, the food price problem is because of greed. I mean, my goodness gracious, I, I, I'm not allowed to say what I really think about that. But as if there's not so many elements to the supply chain, so many other factors involved. I mean, it's easy for people to understand if wages went up, maybe if property taxes went up. But I mean, you're talking that so many different levels, you know, uh, do, food or, uh, do fertilizer costs go up? Yes. And does that impact Does uh, gasoline or diesel? you know, uh, going up. Uh, you have been doing some work, and I'll get to it in a few minutes, on the carbon tax, you know. Uh, we can debate how much. It definitely adds to the price of food, though. It, there, that's not, uh, uh, you know, that's not in question. It's We can debate how much, but it adds. There's so many elements. My worry is when you get so simplistic as to say, oh, I know, the real reason is greed. Man, you are ignoring any meaningful solution, every other a- area, and price fixing does the same thing. Are you saying that Prices aren't going up or, you know, input costs aren't going up. I mean, yep. it's just such a head shaker for me. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I, I got to say mo- Monday really, I thought was a good day. I have mm-hmm. to give a lot of credit to the companies uh, who showed up. Uh, Galen Weston from Loblaw, Eric Laflesh from Metro, Michael Medline from Sobeys. I mean, they all came in thinking, thinking that uh, it was going to be a figure pointing session. Mm-hmm. So that's why I was glad to be the first to speak because yes. I got up the first 10 minutes, Michael, I basically state the case about greedflation, about profiteering, and made it quite clear that we failed to find any evidence of profiteering. While the minister's in the room, while the deputy prime minister's in the room, the big five was in the room. So as so- Michael, as soon as I said that, you can feel the room, the tension just mm-hmm. went down. And it was it was instead instead of focusing on defending their company, defending their raison d'être, it became a session to help the ministry. It was big it became a session to find solutions. Yes. And uh, and I, I was very grateful uh, for that. I think the companies really played along well. And uh, and and the meeting was became quite constructive. After the fact, really. It's interesting, though, as again, I'm going to come back to the focus on uh, profitability or, you know, first of all, from what I read, you know, we're not talking about a hugely profitable business. It's by volume that they're profitable. You know, I mean, they just obviously we buy a lot of food. So if you're at like 3% or 3.7 at the most, you know, that kind of thing. Uh, I mean, again, I'm going by the Competition Bureau looking at that, as you said. So did the Bank of Canada. Read both those reports. Uh, you know, there's not a lot of room in that way. It just seems, I guess I'm really frustrated by the fact that just to talk about the greed side is just so devoid of information, devoid of the facts, and that that's not to the benefit of the public. And so I'm happy to hear you say it got constructive very quickly, you know, thanks to you framing and giving some of that well, evidence and, and those I, facts. I, yeah. Well, I, when we walked into the room, Michael, it, it was, it was awkward. Mm-hmm. It, it was, nobody was talking to each other. I mean, think about this for a second, okay? You're asking the big five, okay, to come into a one room to talk about what is arguably the most sensitive thing when it comes to competitiveness, price, okay? Yes. Think about that. Yeah. Like why? So, so, so you had the CEOs and you had lawyers, like I think Loblaw had three lawyers. I mean, it was just unbelievable. And uh, so when we walked in, nobody was talking to each other. So I went around with uh, Monsieur Lamontagne, Minister Freeland, 
to loose things up, but it was still very tense, very tense. Yeah. But it really shifted when I basically kind of laid it out. This, these are the problems. Uh, so first of all, let's put aside the greed thing. Not exist doesn't exist. Let's focus on solutions. But I did say that there is a crisis of confidence. Eighty-two percent of Canadians actually believe that greed is behind some of the pricing there, and so yes. that's a problem. That that's a problem. Regardless if you agree with it or not, it's a problem. And the blackout periods, the bread price fixing uh, yep. scandal. I mean, I could go on and on. There, there's lots of problems that we need to t- take care of. And and the session was really focus on actual problems at the ministry but the other issue and i actually went back to government what about the carbon tax what about the snack tax what about some of the issues that we see with logistics and inefficient railways and roads that are actually making our food more expensive what about regulations related to packaging and labels, the, 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 the P2 notice that we got in August? What are some of the things that are really policy-driven making food more expensive? So I, I threw a bone at CEOs. I threw a bone at the government as well and then left it there. <laughs> it was beautiful. Well, let me also add, what about uh... – milk marketing boards what about supply management i mean there's no argument that that increases price i mean i was thinking off the top of my head my, today. not 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 necessarily yeah we have to be careful so first uh-huh. of all you remind me of one thing we didn't have the minister ag in the room this is re- to me as a policy wonk i find it incredibly interesting that the, the file of food inflation wa- is being handled by the Minister of Innovation, not the Minister of Ag. Yes. Okay. And I could feel that the Big Five was kind of uh, was kind of taken by surprise by Mr. Lamontagne's tone, uh, Mr. Uh, Champagne's tone. Mr. Champagne's tone is very is very action oriented. When you meet at Ag in Ottawa, it's all about Farmgate stuff. Yeah. It's all about it's all about supply management okay it's about the farmer as soon as you get closer to consumers it's not a priority as much for mr champagne everything on monday was about the consumer it was really refreshing now to your point about supply management which is a very very important point is it is supply management bad for competitiveness absolutely are there several issues with with supply management absolutely is it going to drive prices down if you eliminate it? Not necessarily. Here's okay. why. At the very so this is a study we did a couple of years ago. We believe that if you eliminate supply management in Canada, you will see prices drop for a while. For the first probably 3-4 years, perhaps 5 years. Because you'll see American companies come into Canada to take try to take over the market. Okay, and there'll be there'll be a fight. Okay, and there'll be a, a price war to get market share. But as soon as things get settled after a while, guess what's going to happen to prices? They're likely to go up. That's exactly what happened in Australia, by the way. Mm-hmm. Prices went way down, way down for five years, and then if you, even given inflation, prices are actually higher than before. So 
can't like I said, Canada is an isolated market. So if you kill supply management, you will no longer have any production capacity in Canada because our farms are not competitive right now. Yeah. Well, it's that's a fascinating. A it's a fascinating subject that's not on the table. I mean, not just in that but it meeting, wasn't on ever. the table because no, it was the, yeah. it was it oh, wasn't okay. the minister of ag, and we didn't really have any trade groups in the room. So the focus was very much about yeah. retail and distribution. Let me come back to some of the other things you're saying, uh, just to make the public aware that there are a lot of factors, you know, government policy also that goes into increasing food prices. Uh, you just reminded me, I wouldn't have listed packaging, but I know full well that that changes oh. the price, you know, but can you just, just re-elaborate what you've said in that way, just again to, because we're not hearing that, let's face it, in the public debate, we're not hearing, hey, we changed this, we changed this, we got some transportation regulation problems, that kind of thing. Well, right now, uh, the government is looking at P2. Uh, the P2 notice is basically going to uh, ask grocers to come up with a plan. Yeah. Ottawa loves plans these days. <laughs> come up with a plan to reduce or eliminate plastics at retail. That's okay? right. Uh, especially in the produce section where plastic is directly in touch with the food. Okay. Yeah. So strawberries, blueberries, cucumbers, everything. So. They want all that plastic gone. Fine. That's great. Who, who wouldn't? Plastics are bad for the environment. Okay. Well, some plastics are much worse than others, but who wouldn't be? Who would want to see? But the problem with plastics is that it actually keeps our food safe, our food affordable. Logistically, it helps us transport uh, produce for long distances. Uh, let's say you're in California or a farmer in California and you supply Canada, you supply Sobe's, Loblaws, and tomorrow morning you're told by your client, Loblaws, oh, by the way, you cucumbers, you can't put that into plastic. Guess what's going to happen? They're not going to want to deal with Canada anymore. They'll mm -hmm. just ship it somewhere else. And so what is likely to happen is that you'll not only see the increase of waste across the supply chain uh, increase, okay? by $2.53 billion, according to an estimate. But you're likely to see a lot of companies not wanting to deal with Canada anymore because it's, you have different sets of regulations, which could actually create a food security problem. And so, again, and I, we met with ECCC twice about P2, twice. And both times, you could feel that science, science-based policy has no meaning. Zero. It's all about dogma. It's about focusing on one thing, and it's to get grocers to implement a plan to reduce plastics, no matter what. Doesn't matter if food prices go up or not. Just, just a quick emphasis there. One of the other costs, the grocers that I don't hear anybody talking about, you know, in the public, that you know they don't like the prices, is waste. You know, I mean, yes, that's a cost, you know, when I got stuff and, you know, has anybody, has, has anybody ever not brought at least one thing back to the grocery, you know, fresh berries? No, they weren't so fresh or something like that. Waste is a huge problem. But as yeah. you say, removing plastics without a, a viable cost effective alternative is just going to, again, increase costs besides uh, uh, wonderful points you're making about, you know, we won't we won't get them shipped to us anyways you know, our selection will go down, costs will go up, that kind of thing. But that's a great example but, but, of what should be in the public debate, but is not in the public debate. ECCC is not even consulting with our suppliers 
from mm -hmm. abroad. Can you imagine? The American suppliers weren't even aware that this was actually happening. Wow. And so ECCC gave until the end of August. So they actually released uh, the policy uh, advisory. I think it was early August. They gave 30 days for the industry to react, to respond in the middle of summer. Yeah. In the middle of summer. <laughs> and when, when farmers are all very busy, and of course, the Americans had no clue what was going on. So it's over now. You can't really say anything, but they're probably going to go ahead with these changes. And it's probably going to cost us a lot more money. And it has nothing to do with grocers. But guess what? Who's going to get the blame? Yeah. Grocers. Absolutely. And that's why uh, the big five was very vocal about it. Let, let me just finish quickly and come back to the carbon tax. Um, you know, there's been a debate. Uh, first of all, I'll reiterate the debate is how much it increases the cost of food. But I see no disagreement that it does, in fact, increase the cost of food. And that's the other inflation debate for me is it's back to what I said. No, it's the cost of things that get to me. I don't care what the rate of inflation is when I bring it home. You know, like I buy the groceries, say I can't afford them. Oh, but it's only 1.2% higher. You know, <laughs> I couldn't afford them. And so I, I want your comment on the carbon debate. Yeah, so the carbon debate, and I actually had the pleasure to meet with the um... – with the Conservative Caucus on Monday while I was in Ottawa because they wanted to know more about some of our research on the carbon. We mm -hmm. actually have a project going on right now. Um, I got to tell you, Michael, I'll be straight with you. Any economist telling the media or anybody that they have an idea what the carbon tax is doing to retail prices, they're out to lunch. Yeah. There's no data to support any coefficient, which is why we're after the Bank of Canada right now. The Bank of Canada, the governor said a couple of weeks ago that uh, that it believes that uh, the carbon tax is responsible for, for 0.15 of, of inflation and without providing any data. So we, yep. actually sent, we actually submitted a request. I asked around on Monday in Ottawa if anybody actually had, has any data coming from the Bank of Canada. We're still waiting for it. But I got to tell you, when you understand retail dynamics, it's impossible to set a coefficient because of us consumers. We influence prices. The weather influences prices. Yes. But here's what we're finding out. Industrial prices where costs are raw, you can actually yep. measure the impact of costs, including, yes, including the carbon tax. So if you look at the industrial product price index for food versus retail prices for food, the CPI, over the last three years, the IPPI index has exceeded the CPI, mm -hmm. which means that pressures, pressures up the food chains are much more significant than at retail. Retail consumers put pressure down. Always, always, right? Especially right now. People are shopping at Dollarama, for goodness sake. So yeah. the pressure is real. People are trading down. But uh, when you go up the food chain, costs are really driving everything up. And our hypothesis is this. We don't believe that we can measure how the carbon tax is impacting retail prices. I think, I think it is impacting, but we can't measure, we can't come up with a coefficient. But we do believe that in with industrial prices, 
the carbon tax is impacting prices from farm gate to industrial to processing. Yes. I think the carbon tax is really – and the other thing that is not being measured right now by economists like Trevor Toombs, the Bank of Canada, and they did state that, is that they're willing to put a coefficient, but they don't take into consideration consideration the compounding effect yes. of the carbon tax on prices, especially industrial prices. I couldn't, I couldn't agree more with that. Hey, look, we could talk all day, and you know me. I love it. I love the work you guys do down at Dalhousie. But let me just invite people to go to The Food Professor on Twitter. The Food Professor on Twitter. You get the update all the time, uh, latest stuff, new data coming in. Sylvain shares it with you. And, and look, please know how much we appreciate your expertise, but the time you find for us on Money Talks. Thank you for taking time. Thank you, Michael.